Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to be with you. And I welcome all those joining us online too. Uh, So this week, we kick off a new series called Landmines. You just saw the video there. And so this is a four-week series. And it's going to kick off this week with uh, the topic of addiction. And then we're going to move into next week. I'm going to talk about anger. And then we're going to go into shame. And then into... um, I'm going to, it's going to come to me real fast here. Fear. Thank you. Okay. Or I don't know what someone said, but fear. It's already. So, uh, and, and that's actually going to be a week with all in worship too, where the kids are going to be in here. But uh, I know I say this a lot that I get excited about every series we do because anytime we dive into God's word, it, it can change us, has the power to change us. Uh, but this is one of those series that Wow, um, I think it, this is actually our four-year anniversary of the Valley Troy campus here, the Valley Church Troy. Four years in, yeah, okay, yay God on that one. Pretty cool. All of us who came and set up and t- tore down every Sunday are glad for this building. Um, and we did a lot of awesome series those four years, but this might be the one that has the power to change you and I the most, I'll just be honest, and even going into the next couple months thereafter. A few months ago, I was just praying about this series and kind of how to design the sermons and and what to focus on. I really kind of felt a nudge um, that for this series, the sermon today on addiction, uh, that I was to bring someone in who specializes in addiction counseling, a counselor who studies this and looks at this. And um, so I reached out to Dr. Allen uh, Demet, who attends our church. He doesn't specialize in that, but he's a professor uh, at the University of Dayton. I figured he had a lot of contacts, and he's like, yeah, he goes, I got someone who would be phenomenal at this. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to introduce Dr. Francis in just a second. But what I want you to know before uh, Dr. Francis comes up, and when he and I just have a conversation with him conversing the most of it, um, is that I do believe that God can heal. I believe that God in a moment could set someone free of whatever addiction they might be suffering from. Uh, But I also at the same time believe that God created the brain and he is the author of wisdom and he's given wisdom to people like Dr. Francis to, who have studied all kinds of things holistically. And that, that combined of God and his, in his, his word and all the power and the healing that Jesus, the one who rose from the grave, can absolutely defeat those, those um, addictions in our lives. But also, he is the author of wisdom too. And we can't just live either or in this. And so keep that tension in mind as we're going through, not just today, but through this sermon series because uh, I do believe this wholeheartedly that God wants to set a lot of us free. And I believe today too that maybe you walked in here thinking this might be for someone else. Just hold that judgment and see what um, God might want to reveal to each of us today. So with that being said, would you give, it, give a big Valley Church welcome to Dr. Joshua Francis as he joins us. Yes. It's great to have you. Why don't you um, share just a little bit about your background and, and what you do, and then we'll kind of go from there. Sure. So I've been in this field for about uh, 25 years as a clinician, uh, treating individuals, couples, families of all sorts, but uh, over the last 15, 20 years specializing in addiction. I also teach at Wright State. I teach in their clinical mental health counseling program. 
Um, and I should be doing more writing and research, but areas that I love to research is where we are as a species in this time in history, in 2022, in a post-COVID world, and how uh, modernity, we'll call it, is, um, is taking over our humanity in the form of addiction. Um, and so I love talking about this. And I appreciate the opportunity to spread the word. Um, when it comes to things we're going to talk about today, I want to shout it far and wide because uh, I think we're at a very, very, very interesting time in human history. Um, we're at a crossroads in many ways. I think historians um, are going to look back at this time, 2000, 2010, 2020, and I think they're going to be like, yeah, man, that's when it all changed. So I appreciate being here and have an opportunity to talk. Well, thank you. Um, what is it about addiction that we should know that we don't know? Yeah. Uh, because what we don't know can be the thing that can really <laughs> trip us up. So what would, you, what would you say in response to that question? What should we know about addiction? Yeah, one of my favorite um, writers on addiction has, the, has this quote that I repeat in all my classes. And she says, there's never been a time throughout history that a civilization hasn't turned to a substance to help deal with the stress and tedium of life to get through it, okay? So this was written 50 years ago, and I always use it as a, a forum for looking at the history of addiction. We have been turning to stuff. There's evidence that alcohol was fermented 12,000 years ago in a, in a clay uh, pitcher that we turn to to help deal with life. And so throughout history, we will turn to things to make, um, to make life easier, because Life is hard, man. A lot of life is hard. And so we turn to things to help us get through life. Again, I just said that things have changed in the last 20 years. And we get, I'm convinced of, of this, we are only addicted to options, right? We get addicted to options. Like, I don't crave heroin because I've never had access to heroin. I've never used heroin, Okay. We get addicted to options, and the purveyor of options is access, right? Like, we have to have access to a substance or a behavior in order to become addicted to it. So let's look at what do we have access to in 2022. We have access to a lot, right? Historical timeline, we've never had access to more stuff, stuff that we can become addicted to. So that could be, I mean, how far, how close are we? to a convenience store, usually just a few minutes. What are convenience stores, right? Convenience stores are little hubs of addiction. Nicotine, caffeine, alcohol, sugar, lottery, gaming. So we've never had more access. What's in my pocket right now? Phone, which is a super computer, but it, provide, it is a super access to addiction, to things that we can turn to to help escape and numb from the stress and tedium of life. And there are purveyors out there that not only want us to like that, but they want us to be addicted to that, right? And they don't care how much we're addicted to that. They don't, morals and values and ethics are not at the heart of their, um, of their mission statement. The more we use it, the better. So what do I think is really important for us to know about addiction right now? is technology or modernity is creating a portal to unlimited addictive potential. 
that we can all turn to and that very likely we are all at least abusing and many of us are probably addicted to it. And that's where, just coming right out, you know, guns ablaze and a few here at the beginning. I think a lot of times we think, you know, addiction, we think of alcohol, drugs, sex, uh, and those are absolutely addictive you know, things. Um, explain in more detail, even going with, with the modernity thing of what are other things that people can become addicted to? I think their minds are already starting to go there. Yep. Uh, and then how's that line drawn between something we use and then something we use more to fill whatever um, to then when it might cross a line that is really hard to get back yep. from? Yeah. So let me create a foundation, uh, a biological foundation. So um, introducing a couple parts of our brain. And what I like to call it the best is the lizard brain. Okay, the lizard brain is this core part of our brain, the most unevolved part of our brain. So as our brains have grown, they've grown up and they've grown out. A super side note, a fascinating philosophical and spiritual argument is when was our brain infused with that, with that spirit, with that consciousness, with that right or wrong? That's the more evolved part of our brain. And it's what we're dealing with now. We're talking, we're conversing, we're using our intellect. The lizard brain doesn't care about that stuff. The lizard brain cares about survival and promoting behaviors that make survival better, okay? So what that lizard brain does is it makes us very attractive and wants us to repeat behaviors that help make life easier. So we turn to that, the lizard brain wants us to survive, and when we have things like technology as a supercomputer to help us survive, it wants to trick us into thinking or hijacking that lizard brain to thinking, yes, you're getting your needs met. You're getting your needs met, the basic core needs that we have, right? So we all have a need to communicate and relate. That's why we're here, right? But the lizard brain can't necessarily have enough of that. And technology is saying, use this, use this superpower, use this supercomputer to get those basic needs met, such as communication, such as, commu uh, as relationships, um, such as um, meaning and identity and all these things that reinforce this concept of, of, of that's great, that's good, keep doing more of it, right? Keep doing more of it because it makes life easier. And so we can turn to things of modernity to help us get through life. Um, and the problem is, is that we now have unlimited access to that, okay? I missed the first part. There, there was that, that question, there was a piece of it. But well, I, think, I, was, I think what are other things that we can become addicted to yeah. beyond those? Yes, yeah. perfect. So going back to that lizard brain. So lizard brain has a desire to survive and live and reproduce. So we can become addicted to social media as a major component of, of um, fulfilling a need for the lizard brain. Let's, let's take it. Let's take um, for example, the 16-year-old male. I like to pick on them. They're, they're easy fodder to pick on. So the 16-year-old male has a desire for relationships, for communication, for teamwork, for accomplishing things, for hunter-gatherer sort of instincts. And so bring in gaming. Um, gaming is a big issue for teenage kids, teenagers in, in, in general. So these 
these, the developers of these games want, know this. They know that if we can hijack those primal needs, so a teenage boy has a primal need to be in a team, to go out and hunt things, to gather things, to communicate with each other, to fulfill missions, to go on life missions, to succeed in those endeavors, to accrue things, to collect things. But what the problem is, is them getting this through a game. So, you know, you have the hunter-gatherer elements of Minecraft or Fortnite. It's hijacking the lizard brain that says you're accomplishing your mission. You're getting it done. The only problem is they're not leaving their bedroom, (laughs) right? They're not leaving their house. They're not getting the actual connection. So when we do these things, when the teenage kid does these things, it releases those chemicals, dopamine being one of them, that says, you did it, man. Good job. You got that done. But the problem is, is that it's only part of the chemicals, right? The other, so dopamine is the big reward chemical. So in our brain, that lizard brain, the lizard brain pumps out chemicals that says, that's a good thing to do. Keep doing it, right? It doesn't know how to moderate that, but it says, keep doing it. The problem is, is that they produce dopamine and adrenaline and cortisol, which then goes back to the brain and says, good job. Let's reward that behavior. But it doesn't produce other chemicals that are more meaningful. The biggest one being oxytocin. Oxytocin is the bonding chemical. So we could apply this to gaming. We could apply this to pornography. We could apply this to various elements of social media, Facebook, Instagram. Hey, I'm getting the job done. I'm accomplishing my mission, but it's not getting all of it because it doesn't include the things that are really enduring and meaningful. And so it's temporary. And the temporary shot of dopamine wants us to keep going back to it, okay? So gaming is an example of that. Social media is an example of that. How modernity has hijacked our lizard brain. The food industry is an example of that. Let's make these super tasty foods and let's give you immediate access to that. Let's give you access to hundreds, if not thousands of calories without burning any of those calories, right? That's a problem. That's a major problem. So we're getting satiated through modernity, through modern tools and portals, but it's tricking us into thinking that we're getting the deeper things met by that. And that I think is in many ways, that's the modern curse to humanity. I'm gonna trick you into thinking you're getting your needs met, but it's empty and it's soulless and it doesn't have the deep meaning in it. That's that preaches deep. <laughs> um, you had mentioned when we talked on the phone a, a month or so ago uh, that our brains weren't even wired to see three, four, five fast food restaurants on one strip. And then earlier you're discussing how not only has it gone from that to now we have we don't even have to leave our room, our bedroom, our living room, or whatever to have that food show up <laughs> at our doorstep. Absolutely. How's that compounding things when it comes to some addiction? Yeah, perfect example, and a common example to all of us, is the food industry. As an example of hijacking that lizard brain. So look where we've came from that, how technology has increased the food industry. And we can apply this to everything. We can apply this to all the basic needs that our lizard brain wants. Food is the most profound because we need it, right? Most of us can't go a week or two without eating you said an hour or <laughs> <laughs> So let's look at where the food industry has got. 100 years ago, there was a market. 
It was down on the street. We would go down there. We'd pick food. It was grown locally. We would commute, commune with people. We would come home. We would cook it together. We would have that opportunity. 50 years ago, as the supermarket popped up, we could go and grab things without putting a lot of effort into it. Now we have the, su- the, the supermarkets, the mega markets. We have Kroger Marketplace. We have Meyer. We have Super Walmarts to get all of our needs met. I always joke about Walmart, no knock on Walmart, but I'm fascinating that from a historical perspective, from an evolutionary lizard brain perspective, we should walk into Walmart and people should be singing and chanting and skipping down the aisles because we just hit the jackpot of evolutionary needs, right? We have a massive food source from all over the world, fresh and delicious and tasteful. We have tools, we have resources, we have books, we have knowledge, we have communication devices. Has anybody been in Walmart recently and just looked at what it's like in a Walmart? Like just, just go and observe one of the, 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 one of the assignments that I have for my addiction class I teach my students is one of the assignments is to go for 15, 20 minutes into a place where an addiction is currently happening. Right? And some people think, okay, I'm going to go to a crack house. I'm going to go to, um, I'm going to, go to uh, the casino. But more and more, and I'm encouraging them to go to, go to, um, go to a Starbucks. Right? Go to a convenience store. Go to a Walmart. Right? Because generally, Walmarts, and when I go into them, people are miserable, man. They sure seem like they're miserable, right? So then the question is, why if they just hit an evolutionary jackpot, why are they miserable in Walmart, right? Well, one of the theories, at least I believe, is they haven't had to work for any of that stuff. So we're designed and built and wired to work hard for things, to get rewarded by those things, and then to feel good about it. So we repeat it. Now we don't have to work hard for those things anymore. And so the fast food industry is making us work less and less hard for more and more benefit. So with Grubhub and DoorDash, right, we don't even have to, we don't even have to get off our couch. If we situate our couch uh, appropriately in our, in our house or apartment, we can flip through our phone, order six Junior Bacon cheeseburgers, my favorite from Wendy's, and within 20 minutes or half hour, we can reach over, open the door and grab those burgers and sit there and eat them. Right? We can ingest thousands of calories without burning any calories. And it's not just food. Food's a, food is a good example of how we can consume things without any effort to consume things. And again, it's kind of driven in an effort to hijack that lizard brain. And, and it's resulting in addiction. So let's go back to that 16-year-old boy. But I'm going to drop it down. I have an eight-year-old and a, four, or, and a six-year-old. And my eight-year-old the other day was saying a friend had a cell phone. Why doesn't he have one? I said, because I'm your dad. <laughs> but I mean, uh, but it, I mean, that's where we are, right? Um, in fact, you know, I know, you know, we'll let the kids have the phone a little bit for music or whatever. And I don't know, maybe yep. I'm just my house. But when I try to get that phone back, it sometimes can be a war, um, and maybe, maybe it's just me, but I don't think it is. No, no, <laughs> um, so we have a lot of parents out here from younger kids, but you know, we're, it won't be too long till they're asking the same questions my eight-year-old is to teenagers. Um, and I think they're looking and saying, 
what do I do? Like, how do I even control this? How do I, how do I balance alienating them <laughs> by shutting them off on these things yeah. versus putting them in a position that they just don't know yeah. what they don't know? Yeah, huge topic, man. Huge topic. I would go through a couple things. One is we have to recognize it. Okay, we have to know that these devices are being created for addiction. I, I read an article earlier this week, and it said, the title was, I've been developing and promoting gaming, video game systems for the last 20 years, and I will not let my kids play them. So, speaking to the power and the insidious source of where this is coming from. And when I say insidious, it's not my expertise to say it's the work of a devil, but it's very hard not to see it coming from there. Even if a byproduct of the evil one's work is capitalism, greed, and money-making. These people do not care about the impact on mental health. The impact of mental health is becoming overtly clear. So right about a year ago, Facebook, it was revealed, an insider in Facebook said, yeah, we knew about how social media was creating all kinds of anxiety and depression and comparison issues. So one, one side note, comparison issue with like, it's called, we now call it the Instagram effect. Like, in a, it's a weird world that a teenager's self-esteem is determined by how many likes they get on a picture that they just posted on Instagram by their own peers, right, who have access to give them feedback without any actual interaction in anonymity, right, without any sort of recourse, right? So one, we have to recognize what it is and where it's coming from, and then how do we deal with our teenagers, our kids' use? I guess the biggest barrier is my, my struggle in working with parents who are trying to set limits on their own, on their kids' behaviors, access to phones, is challenging them to recognize their own use of phones, right? What is the phone in many ways? It's, it's now a parent tool that we use. You know, the kid is, I've got five young children, well, not young anymore, 18 to, to eight. And it's so easy. Kid is, yeah, it's, it's the new, it's the new pacifier. It's, here you go. Okay, fine, fine. Go watch a video. Fine, take my phone. Just be quiet. <laughs> Just shut up already, right? But, but so much of that is actually looking at our own, right? It's actually looking at our own use, our own abuse, our own potential addiction to that phone, because if we are not willing to recognize that in ourselves, it's really hard to set limits with our kids, okay? Then it's really hard to set limits with our kids, because the comparison, the peer use, well, the, 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 the use of that for good to a certain level, hey, I have to talk to my friends and that's the only way they talk, right? Hey, the school, my school posts messages on whatever so I have to get online and see that, right? That's the trick and that's the, that's the challenge. It's harbored in a lot of cool stuff, a lot of good stuff. But without moderation, if you can't moderate it, then it turns bad. You know, it's like, yeah, in a perfect world, if we could smoke two cigarettes a day, maybe we wouldn't have the incident of, of, of addiction. If we could have, you know, half a cup of coffee in the morning instead of three cups of coffee, 
Right? If we could drink that. I think you're stepping on some toes now. (laughs) Sorry about the coffee thing. (laughs) Hey, mine's sitting over there too. Right? The problem is it's so hard to moderate. And so we have an epidemic of addiction, especially connected to that supercomputer in our phones. So it's about moderation. Now, how do we moderate? Well, that depends on, well, what are you turning to your phone for? So let me, this is just one example. So I want to make a, a distinction between use, abuse, and addiction, okay? We are, we have to use the technology, right? We have to eat, right? We have to do these things. We have to, we have to have sex from a species point of view, right? But we've never had the superpower that gives us access to it that allows us to abuse it, in which case our use is starting to mess with us. And then we can turn to the extreme level of a pathological addiction. Then it becomes problematic. And so it is a huge new issue. I would say it is an epidemic of over-tech use, over-addiction use, over-access use, especially for kids, because they're born, that's their normal. That's what they do. I was reading an article the other day talking about with the legalization of gambling with DraftKings and some of those. I mean, it used to be if you wanted to gamble, you'd you know you'd get scratch offs, I guess, and that. But you know, go to the casino now, yep. right, right there. And it was saying already in the last year of it being passed in some states, the calls to the um, uh, gambling addiction hotline have gone up in some cases over a hundred percent from where they were before. Yep. So how? Talk a little bit about the pathological addiction and this, this progression from, hey, that's, it's good to eat, right? We all would agree we should eat. You know, it's, it's good to have, you know, have entertainment in our life. We need to be able to have some time to relax. How, especially, how do you see, maybe for someone listening or someone they love, and they're kind of seeing them right now between they're getting, they're, they're getting close to this abuse from using good to abuse, or maybe they're looking saying they're, I think they're getting close to this pathological addiction. What are some signs people could see in themselves potentially, or in others to see some of those? It's not like one step, it's right. not like, but what are some series of things you, you might yeah. say to? Lots of thoughts there. So let, let, let's, as we get further into that pathological addiction, as it becomes more and more problematic, we have to recognize that an addiction is, is a symptom. Okay? Addiction is not the illness. An addiction is a symptom. Then we have to say, and this is very subjective, and this is where counseling, this is where intimate relationships, this is where um, pastoral work, this is where it's very nuanced. We all have to ask the question, what am I getting out of that addiction? What is it filling? What need is it meeting inside of me? It's just a symptom, a symptom of what? So why do we generally turn to addiction? So addictions are wonderful in, unfortunately, helping us numb, escape, and hide, right? I was so happy to hear future conversations on this series are going to talk about shame and fear and anger. Those are also symptoms. They're oftentimes symptoms of addiction or symptoms of mental illness because we turn to these things. So why do we turn to addictions? We turn to addictions to numb and escape and hide. Numb and escape and hide from what? Mostly from pain, right? That can be, that can be physical pain, 
I developed a heroin addiction because after back surgery, I got on OxyContin and eventually they stopped giving it to me, so I turned to the street. It can be, but it's mostly emotional pain or spiritual pain or relationship pain, right? We now know that lots and lots and lots of pathological addiction actually starts in childhood. Not that they started using the substance or the behavior in childhood, but, but that is where the that is where the hurt occurred. That's where the pain occurred. Abandonment, lack of nurturance, lack of attachment, right? Adverse childhood experiences, we call it, or trauma. And early on in life, when those things happen, we create a life script, a narrative. We start make, trying to make sense of the world. Well, because this happened to me, one of the classic things, and I think it's, it's, it's kind of a curse, for humanity is we're so quick to blame ourselves for that through shame. And well, if this happened to me, if that parent left me when I was eight year old, it must be my fault, right? I must not be good enough. I must be inadequate. So that inadequacy fuels that pain, a, 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 a overwhelming pain subconsciously sometimes that that substance helps us numb and escape and hide from. We also turn to addiction or, or when we get to that level of pathological addiction is that addiction fills voids. Voids usually created in our childhood. Voids that the substance helps, tricks us into thinking we can be filled, we can, we can have that as fulfilling us because it's meeting that evolutionary need or that primal need. But the problem is it's never enough. It's never good enough. It doesn't endure. So one of the things I talk to clients about is the difference between pleasure and happiness, right? Addiction gives us pleasure. Those three junior bacon cheeseburgers from Wendy's gives me pleasure, right? Does it make me happy, right? Happiness is sustainable. Pleasure is not, right? The world is full of, it's a golden corral buffet of pleasure, Turn to me for pleasure. Turn to me to numb, to hide, to escape, right? Turn to me, but it's not enduring. So anytime we deal with an addiction, I always use the analogy of like, okay, we can overcome that addiction. We can get you sober. We can get you clean. We can get you away from that addiction. But I'm going to come in and I'm going to run a, a backhoe and I'm going to dig a big hole in your backyard. And it's going to be this vast emptiness in your backyard. That's good, it's better than the addiction, but we have to fill it with good stuff. And that's where, um, that's where it's hard because uh, it's not easy. It's not, it's not as accessible. Well, when I think of digging a hole in the backyard, I think of a mess, right? <laughs> right, I mean, Oftentimes it does, it's gonna get man. messy, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt, right? I mean, yep. um, so let's, let's lean into that a little bit. As you're digging that hole, um, would you agree that maybe all of us probably should consider digging the hole in the backyard for our own health? Um, I, I told Pastor Mark that if I have enough time with someone in a, in a counseling office with enough time to ask questions, I will find an addiction. We're all addicted to something. Okay? Um, those addictions can be on a spectrum of health versus unhealth. I have treated a number of exercise addicts in the past. Right? Um, one in particular has been a few years ago, but for every calorie he burned, I'm sorry, every calorie he ate, and he had an algorithm in his head, 
said, I know I just ate 12 Oreos. I'm going to have to go run. And so every day he was running 10, 12, 14, 16 miles to compensate for that because he needed that feeling. So we're more than ever, I would say we're all addicted to something. And then we would say, well, what am I addicted? I don't think I'm addicted to this. Well, ask yourself this question. What do I do every day that I know is not helping me be the best version of myself? What's standing in the way from me being the better person? Okay, what's stopping that? And addiction oftentimes creates resistance. So it's this emotional concept. Resistance is that which stands in the way of us being a better version of ourselves, right? And usually addiction is the, is the, is the uh, front and center source of resistance that stops us. And now, like I said, with the supercomputer, we can have resistance, we can have addiction anywhere. I mean, one example that, that isn't, being, isn't being looked at very much is the 24-7 news cycle. We can be addicted to the news, right? You were saying earlier, hey, I wake up at 2 o'clock, I can't sleep. I'm going to open up Fox News or CNN. I'm going to look at the score of the game. This I'm was gonna... a confession I made this morning. <laughs> That's right. I just made the same. I woke up at 2 a.m., <laughs> Um, and the uh, first thing I did was grab my phone next to my bed, which is probably a problem, and uh, check the Phillies score because I'm a Phillies fan. Yeah. And they won, by the way. But anyhow. Yep. But, um, yeah. but, but it makes sense, right? So similar to the supercomputer to access, we also have an uncontrolled tribalism in our world right now. This teamwork, this divide, this is my team versus your team. And it's promoted by a lot of these things that can be addictive, right? So in a weird world, we have two schools of thought in the news. We can look at, I'm overgeneralizing, we've got Fox News if we're conservative, we can look at CNN if we're liberal, you know, but they promote using that and you can never get enough. Lizard Brain says, hey, I have an evolutionary benefit from learning and understanding what's going on in the world, right? I have a need for that. It's good knowledge. 10,000 years ago, we have these scouts and these scouts come back and they're monitoring enemy activity, right? So they come up and they say, hey, this is what's happening. They're making these movements. This is what we need to be aware of. That had direct evolutionary benefit. We benefited from knowing that. Now we don't benefit from knowing that there was a, I'm not saying it's bad to know, but at 10 a.m. before we go to bed, we don't benefit from knowing there was a bombing in, in, in Baghdad, right? We don't benefit, not then, because what it does, it turns on that lizard brain that says that danger could be, it could be you next. Mm-hmm. Lizard brain is really dumb and it doesn't discriminate information very well. It doesn't know that the news that you just heard, the information that you just got has nothing to do with it. You're safe in your bed at 10 o'clock at night or two in the morning, right? You're safe. It doesn't know that. It thinks, oh crap, man, you got to pay attention to that stuff. And, that's, and then it gives you that, that reward cycle that you want to keep coming back and getting more of it. So you're saying when I have my phone laying in bed at night and I'm scrolling through, bad idea, right? Bad, bad idea. idea. <laughs> bad idea. Sleep is, total side note, Sleep deprivation is now a major health issue, major health issue. And one of the barriers to sleep is we've got that phone beside us or that iPad beside us. We look at that right away. We get information that turns the lizard brain on at a time that the lizard brain should be sleeping. 
Why does stress cause us not to sleep? Because lizard brain said, if that's real stress, you don't want a deep sleep. Why would you go to deep sleep if there's a threat out there? But again, it doesn't discriminate very well. And that Philly's loss at two in the morning could they turn won. on the lizard brain. They won, oh, they so won. I went right back to sleep pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Went back into a deep slumber. But if they didn't, really, your team, yeah. your tribe, right? Go back 10,000 years ago. Your colleagues just lost the battle, okay? The, the scouts came in. Pastor Mark, your team just lost. Oh, crap. You need to start figuring out our next move. So why do we obsess about things at night? Why, do we, why is our brain run? Because it's constantly trying to problem solve. It's simply saying, there's a problem. The more I think about it, the more maybe I can come up with a solution. But when we have access to unlimited information, when we're prompted to be divisive and tribal in so much of what we do, it's constantly running in the background. That's good. So as we're wrapping up here, what, what's the good news? Because we, we, how, how do we, right? I mean, I'm that guy. I'm like, I want an answer, right? I want, how do I come? Um, so let's talk about that. What, yeah, what, yeah. what do you see... Where do you see faith and, and knowledge of the brain and knowledge of, of all those things that you've talked about last you know, 30 minutes or so? How, do, how can we be victorious? What are some steps that we need to take? What are some, yep. even for maybe some of us who are more pragmatic, like what's, what, what is some stuff we can do? Where do you see that kind of colliding? Yep. And how can, we, how, can we, how can we be victorious? Yep. Wonderful, wonderful question. And it, it is hard. Um, and it's hard to be optimistic. But what I can get optimistic about is having these conversations. And it's, and it's selling a concept that really is pretty darn sweet, right? The concept to people that has, as, as an antidote to, to addiction, most of, especially if it's tech addiction, is simplify, slow down, right? In the movement, in the field, my field, one of the, one of the, um, the theories that have gotten the most traction over the last couple years has been, has, uh, goes by several different names, but it's basically mindfulness, mindfulness-based therapy. And what mindfulness-based does is just be in the present, right? So yesterday is history, tomorrow's a mystery, today is, is, is the present, right? Today's a gift, that's why they call it the present. Technology, all these forces want us to live in the past or want us to live in the future, so, the cool thing, what keeps me positive is what we're preaching is, is being present, simplifying our lives, living in the moment, right? Being in, being in God's glory today, being in that moment. It's so easy if, if we're aware of it, right? Because, okay, take that lizard brain and I'll shut up. One more, one more statement about the lizard brain. The lizard brain who constantly wants to drive for these things also wants us to be at peace. Okay, it wants us to, it wants us to connect with true love. It wants us to, be, to live a simple, clean life. It wants us to work hard and accomplish things and get, it, and get the reinforcement the real way. Um, and it, it ultimately wins. And I, I think the battle of good versus evil, ultimately it is good that wins. In our own goodness inside of us, our body wants to be healthy. And if we give it a chance to do it, it will win. As you were talking there, just about being in the moment, that's when I do see 
it hit me of that's where it can collide when we do spend time with the father who speaks that identity into us and not social media, not what someone else says. When we, that's what prayer is, you know, that, that communication with, you know, back and forth with him. And frankly, it's even better when we just do a lot of the listening <laughs> and allow him to speak that in. Um, yeah. and, and other spiritual disciplines they do. They then play that role of keeping us understanding where we, not only where we fit into the cosmos, but also who it is that speaks truth into us. Because uh, there's so many other competing voices. And I think that's, uh, I thought about this a lot this week of how am I going to end this service today? Um, we're going to come up and sing a song together. And I'm like, well, that seems pretty hard to pull off. Van might not like me anymore. Um, do we have a time of prayer? Um, do we, you know, <laughs> of course, I'm not going to be like, well, let's have a time of prayer. And if you need some prayer today, come up because you're like, everyone's going to think I'm addicted to something if I come up. So, and we're not going <laughs> to, that then would deal with our sermon on shame in a few weeks. Um, <laughs> right. Um, and so I, I honestly, I'm still sitting here and I don't have the, I don't have a, a true answer because I don't know if I'm supposed to have a true answer, if that makes sense. I, I think this is something that you and I need to ruminate on. Uh, in fact, you can go and watch this during the week. I am. I'm going to, we'll clip it. We always clip it down on Monday to just the sermon uh, and go back. And maybe when we look at heaven and earth colliding with this, of going in and just saying, God, what do you want me to hear out of this 35 or 40 minutes? Because uh, I think each of us has something from what Dr. Francis said today. And remember, it was his voice you heard, but it's God working in and through him. And so what's the spirit? What, what, what is something that really just you need to wrestle with or you need to grapple with or you need to just lean into? Maybe it's, I was talking to some people earlier today there's some people in their lives they need to share this with. It's, it's hard to bring it up in conversation. It's awkward. Um, you, you just, you know, sometimes, you know, you just gift the book to someone because they need to read the book, but it's just less scary than having the conversation. I think this might be one of those times to just prayerfully consider that. Um, the other thing too is, um, well, before I wrap up, I just want to thank you. This has been huge. Uh, there's, yeah, would you join me? Thanks for having me. You can see why after I talked to him a month ago, I said, you need to talk 95% of the time today. Powerful. Um, I, I, I think this is a series that every, we try to do this with every series, but this is more than anything will build on, it's all going to work together. When I talk on anger next week, I think we're going to peel back some layers. And I think when we talk on shame, we're going to peel back some layers for some of us. And then we wrap up, uh, we're going to actually wrap the series up with an all-in worship. So kids are going to be in here. We obviously didn't talk on addiction that week. We're going to do fear because I don't care if you're four years old or if you're 104 years old, you understand fear, right? And we get that. I think we're just going to peel back layers. And, and as I love the metaphor of digging in the backyard, because to me, that doesn't sound very pleasant, <laughs> right? Sounds like it's going to be a mess and it's going to throw off what I had back there, but it's going to, but if I think about what it could yield, it could be something pretty special. 
And so that's kind of what we're going to do. Um, there is no, I mean, we'll stand and, and we'll pray, but um, I think this is one, and it's not a bait and switch. I think we just got to keep coming back and, and we got to bring someone with us. Uh, and, and my prayer has been, I just ask you to join me in this prayer, is that through this month of going through this, that there is so much victory on the other side of this. There is so much healing on the other side of this. There is so much freedom on the other side of this that we'll look back even years from now, back to October of 2022, as a time where the trajectory of our lives changed and where um, we saw God work in our lives and in the lives of those we love in ways that we had never could have imagined. And that we're going to live, as scripture tells us, that we are going to be free and that he's going to give us life. He actually tells us in scripture, not only does he come to give us life, but he comes to give us abundant life, a life beyond anything we could ever dream up on our own. So would you stand with me as we pray today? Father, I thank you for Dr. Francis. I thank you for his heart for you and, and then his willingness to share all his learnings over the years and to bring that to us and allow us to just kind of let that marinate in our mind and get into our hearts. Father, we continue to ask you that you would bring healing into our mind into those, the minds of those we love, into the minds of those that we don't even know, but we just know we will be a, a better world when there's more people healed and set free in their mind. And frankly, if we're a follower of Christ, we should desire that for every single person, that they would be complete and that they would be whole. And so if we just go to the author of wholeness. We go to you as the author of completeness. We go to, the, to you as the only one who can set us free. And we implore and we beg you to do that work. And we just say in return, we will do everything that you ask us to do in cooperation. And we just pray that in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I leave you with this blessing today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And may he give you peace. Would you go in that peace? Be blessed. Wow, that was an insightful message. There we go. <laughs> uh, we'd love to hear more about what stuck out to you. You know, what stuck out to me first service isn't the same thing that stuck out to me this time. Um, I was actually, you know, first service I was challenged by um, the idea that, that hard work is a good thing. You know, God designed us to, to work hard for the bounty that he has for us, right? Uh, but this service, what stuck out to me was his comments about sleep. I personally have been dealing with sleep issues the last several weeks, and I think a large part of it has had to do with stress. So I, I find it interesting how sometimes what seem like ordinary, mundane, non-spiritual things in our lives are actually connected, deeply connected to our sense of wellness, of well-being, you know, the fact that the lizard brain um, does want peace for us. You know, its job is to help assess threats and then make it possible for us to enjoy peace. Well, God is peace. And God has so many amazing things in store for us. He invites us to, to enter into his rest and to trust him. To put that lizard brain on break and just 
rely on God. So I don't know what else you might have um, in mind that stuck out. Uh, feel free to write it in the chat. We'd love to have a conversation with you. If you think this is a conversation that somebody else in your life needs to hear, um, I, I mean, this isn't, while it was about addiction, it, this is about mundane, normal, everyday things, right? It's not just about the extreme stuff, but it's about the now stuff, the stuff, the food, <laughs> exercise, our phones, stuff that everybody, everybody is involved in. I found it just mind-blowing that Dr. Francis said if he could sit down with anybody for about 15 minutes, he'd be able to identify something that they're addicted to. So if, if you know of somebody, if you think this would be really helpful for them, please share it. Share it on YouTube, share it on Facebook. Um, I would even encourage you to go listen to the first service because they weren't identical, even though they covered a lot of the same information. So the next three Sundays, we'll tackle other landmines. Again, that's a play on words. Um, minds being M-I-N-D-S, our mind. Uh, so we want you to stick around. Make sure you uh, like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you get those alerts when we're going live on Sunday mornings. And if this brought up some stuff that you need prayer for, we would love to pray with you. If this brought up some yay God moments. We'd love to interact with you and praise God with you around those. So you can text the word prayer to the number 937-358-6565. That's 937-358-6565. And we will have somebody there to pray with you. In addition, if you would like to be... Um, if you would like to get more connected with our church, whether that's, you know, through life groups or uh, just to get to know us more, um, we have, you can text the word new to that same number, and we'd love to connect with you. And with that, let's conclude. We're so grateful that you came, that you participated, and we bless you. See you next week. joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.